0: Still more, still more. the afternoon. I've been up since four, but nevertheless, that's what happens when you have four kids and our yes. guest out speaking.
1: Uh, Mr. Chad Robinson, also
0: family man, uh, has four kids. Still a little bit older than mine, so I have a lot of work to do with mine. That's for sure. But he's been there, done that. It seems like uh, with his kids, and I'm sure we'll get into that during the interview here. But a little bit of background on Chad. Chad is the president of Align Mortgage Corporation and IQ Lend Inc., a fully licensed mortgage and real estate broker with 25 years of experience. And that's a lot of experience. We're talking about a quarter of a century of experience, which is um, more more time than uh, my audience has on this planet by about 10 years or so. So um, very knowledgeable of the topic. He has a particular expertise in commercial development, several prominent construction projects under his belt, and more ongoing in the Ottawa, Canada area. Uh, Chad also offers his sound advice and professional expertise as a consultant to other private lenders and developers. He also hosts the Practical Broker Podcast, so if you get really into podcast, I've been getting in my, my students into podcasting, uh, the podcast, and you can find out more about that on becomingthebankbook.ca. So check that website out. And we are going to get into his book, because Chad... Uh, got a book out there. We we want to definitely know more about it. But so without further ado, we got Chad Robinson on the show today. So thank you, Chad. Thank you. Good to have you. Good to have you on the show. So let's get right into it. Tell us about the book. What's going on with the book?
1: So the book was a journey that I've been on, and uh, it's called Becoming the Bank. And the reason why I wrote it was there's a lot of people that like to lend money, right? Basically, they... um, both in Canada and the States, you know, you guys refer to it a lot as hard money lenders. Um, Canada's called private money lenders. Same thing, really. And it, it came from this idea that all these people were lending money and the rich people were doing it and making lots of money from it. But people were getting into it with no foundation. There's no knowledge. There's no manual. There's no, it's just, they learn the hard way. And they learned the hard way by losing money. And I think that sucks. So I wanted to, you know, write a book to give some real basic, real meat and potatoes, not the sizzle. My book isn't about the sizzle. There's a lot of sizzle books out there, right? It's like, yeah, 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 you can do it. You can be a private lender. You can make a millionaire in real estate, but nobody really teaches you the fundamentals. So that's what this book is about. It's about the fundamentals. It's about how to make good decisions and how to determine a good borrower from a bad borrower. I try to make it fun and light and I put some jokes in it because credit is really boring. Um, (laughs) But you know, but really giving some ground, some foundation to people that, you know, how do you lend money and, um, and hopefully save people from some really bad deals. So that was the genesis of the book. Awesome. When was it released? Uh, it was, it's actually being released next week. So we got, uh yeah. Uh, next week. Exciting. Good luck to you. Thank you. Is this your first book? Um, it is my first full book. Absolutely. I've done a lot of smaller articles and things like that, that I've had published, but this is my first full book. And. It was a lot bigger of a project than I realized. It took me a long time to get it off the uh, off the drawing board and write the publication, but uh, I'm happy it's done.
0: And, and you find the time to do all this, right? <laughs> work in your, your daily career um, as, as a mortgage broker and, and lender and have four kids. I mean, how yeah. do you find the time to do it there, Chad?
1: Uh, you know what, it's a really good point. And it drives me crazy a lot when people say, you know, they don't have time and I look at their life and I'm like, wow, you, you, know, you don't have anything going on. Um, It's it's really about prioritizing goals and setting your goals of what you want to achieve in the day. So I kind of do that, you know, typical. I I do yearly, but really it's monthly or quarterly, and then I break it down to the week. And I'm like, this week, what do I want to achieve? And if I might be write a chapter in the book this week, and then I might not touch it for a month. And that's kind of what happened. That's why I got so busy doing other things. And then I'm like, or this week I'm not, you know, spend time with my kids doing. You know, I'm going to teach my little daughter to ride a bike this week. So then everything else is shelved. I'm not focusing on anything else. I'm just on that one task that one goal. And that's how I've done it is just really micro setting my goals down to a small, um, small amount. And, and even in my daughter, my 20 year old, you know, we talked about her goal this week was trying to find a job. She's in university looking for summer job. I'm like, great, put everything else away, focus on that one thing and get it done.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, Echo what you're saying there, as far as like now people and like people like, where do you find the time to do the sports, the kids, the day to day, creating podcasts? You make the time to do it. You yeah. find that you know what your passion is and what you're interested in. You set your goals and you you budget that time, and, and nothing else gets in the way. Absolutely. Uh, so that's why I try to instruct my students. So it's it's very nice to hear it from somebody else because they're tired <laughs> of hearing it from me over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said something really interesting about you know, the topic of credit uh, it, it's good that you, your book is light, you know, mm-hmm. he cracks jokes and things like that because like you said credit mm-hmm. is it, such a dry topic uh, mm-hmm. but it's so important to understand and like trying to get these kids and mm-hmm. high school students, that's my primary audience, to yep. understand how important credit actually is do you have any advice and again, because I'm they're tired of hearing it from me any advice to my, my audience, which again is going to be like freshmen through seniors? Yeah. Let's lean more towards the freshmen and sophomores because by you know, senior year, hopefully, you're your able to start to get that credit. But what steps can one take as a freshman and sophomore in high school or earlier? I have an 11 year old or 12 year old, excuse me, I'm sorry, Ava, uh, <laughs> and a nine year old. How can we start to establish that credit before you actually get the opportunity?
1: to get the credit? That's a great question. Um, I think it, it comes back to really habits and financial habit. And listening to your podcast is a first step, right? If somebody's listening to this, they've already head and shoulders above everybody else in their peer range because they're actually even just thinking about this. So way to go for actually doing this podcast and reaching out to your students because it's, wow, I wish more people did. Um, the other thing which is, again, really boring and a lot about in finance is kind of boring is spend less than you earn right like it's not sexy if you know if you make 100 bucks don't you know spend 90 and put 10 dollars away in another savings account and put it in your savings account something that you can't touch something that's a pain in the butt to go and get don't leave it on your debit card make it something that you got to actually walk into a bank or you know or don't get a debit card at all so it's a pain and then you'll realize that you're saving money really quickly um there's a really old book around it's been around forever it's called the richest man of babylon and uh, the language is really archaic, but, uh, but wow, it's a really great, uh, great story about just being financially prudent. You can still spend a lot of money and do a lot of things. Um, and I'll share one story before, because this might really vibe with your audience. Um, a good friend of mine became a private lender, and I met him about 20 years ago. And he went to school for business, um, became an accountant. And but he's this is a guy that he drives Lamborghinis now. He's um you know he has a helicopter. He's he's the guy, right? And I said, well, why? How did you get into this? And that's how I met him. Was it as a lender? And he says, well, he goes, I went to accounting school and realized I hated accounting. It sucks. And I'm like, fair enough. And he goes, but I lived really cheaply for the first couple of years when I graduated. I'm like, okay. He goes, so I got a decent job. And that back then, this is going back, you know, some time. He's like, you know, I made 50 grand, but I spent 30 or 25. He goes, I lived on like, because I lived like I was still in university. But now I was having the cash. And he goes, and I saved it, and I lent it out to mortgages. And I saved it, and I lent it out to mortgages. And I saved it, and lent it out to mortgages. And one of the great things, you know, the seventh mystery of the world, or wonder of the world, is compound interest. And it just grows. And all of a sudden, five years later, he's a multimillionaire by living well below his means and investing his money. Nothing more sexy, nothing more exciting, just he lived cheaply and invested. So out of all of your students, that would be my best advice, is if you wanna do private lending, great. My book's a great source to start. Um, There's obviously a lot of references to Canada law on there. And in the States, each state is very specific, um, has very specific lending laws. You'd have to check which state you're in, Um, but the fundamentals are the same. And, uh, you know, live cheaply and invest, whether it's stock market or real estate, um, whatever. Just, you know, spend less and save.
0: Thank you. Fantastic advice. Again, it's it's not sexy, but it gets the job done. Yeah. Now, speaking of, again, finding the different vehicles, I guess, to invest in, uh, which, again, leads to this compound interest. And you had mentioned stocks, real estate, things like that. Yeah. With what's happening right now, and again, I don't know how things are, um, you know, with, with shaking up in Canada over there, but in the United States, it seems mm-hmm. like the housing market has taken off uh, quite rapidly over the last couple years. Yeah. So if you're in real estate, you you definitely reap the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now I think that a lot of people are chasing chasing these returns and chasing these high valuations. Yeah. Um, and, and eventually, I see eerie similarities. Uh, to back in the housing crisis, at least here in uh, 2007-08. Maybe maybe the practices of loaning money to particular people has changed. I I think, again, we have enhance our credit standard. But the fact is we're loaning money out to people with the possibility they might not be able to pay back because those prices just keep moving up and up and up. And if you get in an adjustable rate mortgage, for example, because that's all you can afford it fits into your budget, there's going to come a mm-hmm. time where maybe that resets, and now you're, you're stuck. Yeah. What, you, what do you? What kind of advice can you give right now? To what's happening in the mortgage market? I don't know. Again, if you see similarities in Canada, uh, so can you speak to that?
1: Our, our markets are very, very similar. Um, you guys have more access to credit than we do, so people can get loans at you know 100% loan to value and 95% loan to value, and you know stuff that we don't have access to here. So it's actually a little bit easier and. A lot of properties that I've seen, because I have a lot of investors that are buying in the States as well, and I'm part of all these Facebook groups, you know, you can still buy properties in some areas relatively cheaply in the sense of, you know, 50,000, 100,000, sometimes less, sometimes more, but you can still find something. Um, you know, Canada, you can't get anything for less than three, 400 grand now. It's it's crazy. So the, the down payment that you need to get into the market is still achievable for people in the States, um, where in Canada, in other countries, it's very, very hard. Like. You know, when you look at an average home in suburban Canada, anywhere, ma- any major city, you're getting close to like seven, eight $800,000. So, yeah, it's crazy. So I guess my advice is get into the home market as soon as you can. If you can have two friends, if you're in high school, stri- strive to go to university. Instead of renting an apartment, get two or three friends, put your money together, have a parent co-sign a loan. You're into the market versus renting and just your money out. If you can, house hacking, right? It's... You know, get that three bedroom apartment, rent two bedrooms, live in the small one, rent the big ones, right? Like do live a little bit below. And again, it's not sexy, but man, if you invest now and take your prudence now, the rest of your life is great. And, you know, one of the things that scared the bejesus out of me when I went to university, very first day, first day, first year university, I walk into the to the quad. And there's all these, you know, hot girls out there. I'm like, Oh great, what are they doing, right? So I go up to the hot girl and talk to her and she goes, Here's this form. I'm like, Oh, what is it? She goes, Well, here's a credit card form, right? I'm like, What? And so you write your name and it was a checkbox. There's like six checkboxes for six different credit cards. It's like sign here, and then you're approved for six credit cards. Well, what happens to a bunch of eighteen year old guys that just get their credit cards for the first time, right? It's a nightmare.
0: <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Say no to the freebies. Yeah. <laughs> Things of free lunch, they'll get you eventually. Yeah, exactly. um, Yes, I, I know it well. Uh, same thing here at, at, at our universities. Again, right next to the bookstore. You can't pay for the books, don't worry about it. We'll sign you up for one of these right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. So, now let's go back. Um, if, if one did not have the ability to establish credit, and, and you gave, again, valuable insight of just having the habits. Mm-hmm. Taking a certain amount of money and putting it away every day, every month, every week, whatever it might be, and and save that money and you put it in your savings account. If you have the ability to do so based on age and you want to set up a brokerage account and actually maybe invest that money with a co-signer and things like that. But how can one, without a credit card, start to establish credit under the age of 18? Do you have any strategies that you can provide my younger audience numbers on strategies they can use to maybe start to establish credit before they have an opportunity to do an 18.
1: Absolutely. So I think the best strategy is, you know, work with a major bank that you're local with and, and get a debit card, right? Just open a bank account because you're building credit with that institution immediately. Don't bounce payments, use your debit and credit, you know, make sure you never go NSF in your accounts. Um, most, they all have a student account. There's no cost for them in most cases, so there's no fees. Um, and you're building that relationship with the bank, number one. Number two, a lot of cell phone providers will give you credit with a cosigner um, to get a cell phone. So your parents can co-sign an account in your name. So this is the key. It needs to be in your name with them as a co-signer. And then, but make sure you pay your cell phone every month. Don't miss a payment. Don't go 31 days because now you're getting what's called an R2. It's showing that you're late on your credit bureau and that's gonna hurt you. So always pay early, everything like four or five days early. You can set up auto debits right out of your bank account so you'll never miss a thing. And then the third thing you can do, and again, this is very bank specific and state specific, but you can get a secured credit card. So which means you give them a hundred dollars and they give you a hundred dollar credit card. But this is very different than a prepaid card. So one is a prepaid that you can walk into any like 7-Eleven and go and buy, right? That doesn't give you credit because it's just like, a gift card basically um but if you get a prepaid card where you give a couple hundred bucks to a bank and they give you credit for the same amount it's revolving every month so you still got to pay it but it's a the way they secured it that will get your credit established really quickly
0: and one can do that um at, at under the age of
1: 18 you, yeah. you, a bank or something like that? you know to be honest i'm not sure um i've never actually had anybody ask me if you can get it under 18 with a cosigner um so usually you would definitely need a cosigner, but you might be able to, again, it's probably very state specific, um, like in each state to state when I say that, because um, there's a lot of local rules, depending on what province or state that you're in. Um, and if not, worst case, as soon as you turn 18, then if you've already been with the bank, that you already have bank accounts open with them, those kind of things, they'll give you a student credit card pretty much immediately. Good
0: advice, good advice. Is it possible, and again, you can chat right on this because you know that answer to pick to, to piggyback off your parents credit similar to what you did in your cell phone example like let's say mom dad make me an authorized user on your credit card and i can piggyback off of your credit score is that uh, a feasibility option for
1: these it, kids it is however most credit cards when you do that when you get like a spousal card or a child card on it um the credit only reports to the main applicant. So, you know, whatever, the primary income earner, whoever got the card in the first place. Um, we had a lot of this in my mortgage broker career where I would have um, typical, you know, the, the man was making all the money, the lady was staying at home. And, you know, 55 years later, they end up getting divorced. The, the woman comes to me and says, I wanna buy a house. I look at her credit and she has none, All right, Because she's always had credit cards, but they're always in her husband's name and nobody told them any different. Um, so just ask the question and it, it's changing a lot, but um, each, you know, provider, so whether it's, um, you know, American express or chase or whoever is going to have different rules. So you can just ask them to say, Hey, if I get a supplementary card, will it report to my credit bureau and ask them, you, you know, you will probably find when that will. Mm-hmm. Because
0: I want my students and my own children to be able to kind of expedite this process and have that credit established. So when they do turn 18, you know, they they already have established credit rather than waiting until they're 21, 22, and and missing out on maybe some opportunities out there in the real estate market. So um, thank you again. Fantastic advice there, Chad. Um, Now you've been in the industry for 25 plus years. Yes. Yeah. What have you seen? Uh, over, evolved over the last 25 years because again that
1: that is a lot of change over the last 24 years so you speak to the evolution of the mortgage market over the last 25 years yeah absolutely now you're making me feel old like i got gray in my beard or something <laughs> a bit. um we get asked quite often especially now when markets are changing and they're they're very dynamic real estate markets right now some are going up some are going down you know it's very volatile people say when should i buy real estate and my answer is yesterday, right? It's always better to have bought yesterday. Um, You know, think, is it gonna drop? Maybe, but if you're not selling, it doesn't matter, right? It's like if you buy, you know, an Apple stock today, if it drops next week, as long as you're not selling, it doesn't matter. Assuming, of course, you can cash flow the loan that you're you're getting. Um, So I'd say try to get into the investment market as soon as you can, number one, whether that's real estate or stocks. And I'll share this one story because it's a really um, inspirational story that I had Um, It was about eight years ago, This single mom came to me for a mortgage and uh, she got a decent job making like not fancy money, but she was making like fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year, which is decent, of course, but not like extraordinary. And she'd saved up $100,000. And I'm like, if you're a single mom, how did you save up? And she was in her 30s. So how did you save up all this money? She says, well, you know what I did? Because when I was in high school, I started with my babysitting money. I put it away. I saved it. Then I got a part-time job and I saved it and she spent way less than she needed to do. Um, invested it in a index fund, basically. Nothing sexy. She just kept putting it in the index fund. So I'm sure your students, have, if I'm hearing you talk about index funds before, right? It doesn't need a lot of knowledge. I right? just kept dumping it in, kept dumping it in, dumping it in. And it just kept compounding. And she did something called drip or dividend reinvestments in it. So it just kept buying more and more and more. And um she just kept living like that, and all of a sudden, a couple, you know, ten years later, she's a hundred grand. So she bought a house, single mom, a couple of kids, where people are struggling to pay rent. She's like now has housing security for the rest of her life. It's
0: incredible. And yeah. again, as simple as that. That's why I try to, you know, people are like, I don't know what to buy, they just to like, in that spot. You know? Yeah. I mean, again, that's probably gonna outperform uh, you know, if you eight, maybe ten percent. Year over yeah. year, it's not glamorous, but you're not really doing much work. <laughs> yeah. It's just tracking the S&P 500, and that historically has yeah. sort of outperformed
1: most asset classes over time. Absolutely. And, and you you know, you lose when you sell, right? So if you're trying to ride the market and, and get Bitcoin at the top and you get Bitcoin at the bottom, and yeah, you know what? If you want to play with 5% of your savings, great. But don't put all of your assets there, right? Put something that's, you know, and I did this chart for the lending side that, you know, 6% growth, 6% compounded. It's phenomenal. And over time, it just, the compounding goes crazy. And I'd recommend all your students do that, right? Just do a graph with five or 6% compounding and track it against the S&P 500 and kind of just see if you're trying to time the market um, what's happening. And you'll be shocked to see that just 6% or 7%, well, wow, it's powerful when you put it out 10, 15 years.
0: So now uh, we're getting towards the tail end, but, uh, but again, I, you know, I, like I said before, I always asked the question of my podcast guests Know, what kind of advice do you have to high school students? And I think you've been able to address that throughout the podcast. I'm going to probably end with a different type of question here. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, you've been a mortgage broker in the industry for 25 years. Mm-hmm. When did you transition? Mm-hmm. And how long have you been in the, in the role of being a lender yourself?
1: That's a good question. So I started selling real estate when I was 18. They could get my real estate license. I got my real estate license and I started selling real estate. And um, all the way through university, that was my job. I worked in the summers, I worked holidays, and I made great money. And and people said to me, you're so young, you don't even own a house yet. And I was like, no, because why are you no like, by be able to represent me? I'm like, listen, you're my only client. I'm going to hustle my butt off to find you that house. And I work with buyers and I said, I'm going to drive around and I'm going to drive around and knock on doors and do that stuff. I'm going to hustle. And I made boatloads of money doing that. And then I transitioned from that into brokering, and then brokering, I started realizing how much money the banks are making and how they're making it. And then I just transitioned that into lending, and, and I love the lending side of the space; it's just phenomenal.
0: So now, how long have you been in that that particular role? As a yeah,
1: it's going on pretty quickly. I started doing lending, so it's we're in you know twenty plus years. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. that's that.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I think, again, you said it perfect, is the epiphany and the, the realization that these banks and what there may be that, hey, I want a piece of that action too. I can to be a lender. Yeah. Um, so now, when that, um, what uh, I guess, when you're doing your due diligence, mm-hmm. what are you looking for from your clients from that lending perspective? Because if you were a broker, it was kind of like the middleman. And then you would be looking in and trying to service that loan with the banks. But now you as the bank, do you have specific standards or guidelines that you look for as opposed to what maybe other institutions are doing that give you kind of a, like a niche or maybe a, you know, a leg up over the competition?
1: Absolutely. So we're, we're a private lender, right? A hard money lender. So we're all about giving solutions to people. So we deal with a lot of home flippers, people that might have you know, bad credit or they're, they're kind of buying a, a transitioning between a divorce or something. So we're a short-term lender. Um, but I have two great, really fundamental criteria. Number one, the property needs to be good or they're going to make it good and have a plan to do it. So they can buy, a, you know, a really run down house, but they're going to have the means to fix it. And, and you know, it needs to be a place that's in a good location. Um, so I kind of joke, if Uber will deliver to you, <laughs> chances are I'll run there. And, and the third thing is, I don't lend to crazy people. So, you know, and and that's kind of a joke, right? It's like, of course nobody wants to, but you can very quickly tell a borrower if they're like calling you every 35 seconds, if they're, you know, dramatic, if they're, you know, just out of the world, I don't want those problems. You know, I just want to lend to good people. And you get thrown that by, do you have a stable job? Is your credit profile decent? People have life events that happen. That's fine. They go through divorce, somebody gets sick, they lose a job. But before that life event, was your credit good? If the answer is yes, then chances are I'll end you.
0: Measuring that chart credit it is that character. We talk about the four C's of credit here in the class. So that, that was good, that was excellent. That's so, awesome. So, it, so it, it's been a pleasure. Again, like I said before we got on the podcast, I have this like short window of time before uh, I have to get to my next class and we've reached that point. Um, this Love is fantastic it. information, uh, Chad. I really do appreciate your time. Um, because We talk about all kinds of stuff here in my class, finance related, and we're really starting to delve in because these kids now are asking, because they're 17 and 18, you know, how do I get, how do I get into the mortgage market? Well, right now, what I'm going do is I'm be saving, I'm banking this and look for those opportunities and those profits. Because right now, the appreciation, you don't want to chase it, So wait maybe again for some things to settle down, and then that's when you... Like you said, get into that three-bedroom, rent out two of the units. Why don't yep. you buy a two-unit and live at home if mom and dad will have you and rent them both out, you know?
1: Absolutely.
0: So thank you. Yep. It just reaffirms, you know, when I teach to my kids that it's nice to hear from somebody else preaching it too. So everybody yep. you need to check out the
1: book,
0: Becoming <laughs> the Bank. Uh it's coming out next week, right, Chad. Yep. You got it. Next week yep. i book. Have-
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. This was fun.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Chad, for being a guest on the Stock Show on the podcast. Again, check out the book, Becoming the Bank, uh, with Chad Robinson. But this is your host, Wendy and Chad Robinson signing off. Thank you.